as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you should not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For morals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for my sake, and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, and brothers, and sisters, mothers, and children, and fields, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We ask that you will speak to our hearts and our minds through it. We ask that you will open our understanding to receive it and that we will get what we need from it. We ask that it will be a blessing to our lives in this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have we ever considered opportunity cost before you heard it in the children's sermon? I think we all have, right? You had choices to make. You could be here or here, but you couldn't be at both places. You could buy this or buy this, but you didn't have the money to do both. You have choices. We all do. It's called opportunity cost. When you choose something, you give something else up. And I say that because we all studied this in Econ 101, some of us years ago when you were taking your introductory courses, and some of us have learned this principle just through life, just having to face decisions and make choices 
And knowing that when we make choices, we give something up and we gain something in our decision making. I say this as a way of introduction because I think that if you keep that in mind as we go through the scripture, it's going to help you understand what Jesus is trying to get at when he talks to this man who comes to him. Have you ever been packed and ready to go and you're ready to head out the door and somebody calls you or shows up at your front door? And you just love that. You're ready to go and they show up. And I want you to think about that because Jesus is about to go on a road trip. The scripture says he's ready. He's probably already told his disciples, okay, it's time for another tour. We're going to hit Galilee. We're going to go by the sea. We're going to heal some people. We're going to do this. We're going to go there. And they're about to leave. And a man comes running in and kneels before Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, when somebody calls you a good teacher, you get a little suspicious. What do you want, right? And Jesus says, you know, you know that there's only one good one, right? That's God. And his answer is interesting because it makes you wonder if this man knew that he was God. Because he called him good teacher. But he was kneeling before Jesus. He was coming before Jesus recognizing that he knew something that he did not know. Recognizing that this was a man with authority, with wisdom, that could answer his question. But you know, you hear a question like that and you might as well ask, what is the meaning of life, right? I mean, it's a big question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus was used to questions. People questioned him all the time. But if you look at all the questions that Jesus was asked, so many times the questions were aimed to tricking him into saying something that would get him in trouble. How many times did the Pharisees come with questions that if he answered one way, he was in trouble with some, and if he answered another, he was in trouble with other group? But this man was not coming in this way. He knelt before Jesus, showing his reverence, showing that this was a sincere attempt to get at the answer that he was looking for, and showing an interest in eternal life. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? A lot of times you can tell a lot by the question. And in this case, that is true. The man was assuming that in order to inherit eternal life, you have to do something. He said, what must I do? He's assuming that there's a checklist of things that you have to do to make it into eternal life. He's like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But at the same time, his question seems to contradict itself because he says, to inherit eternal life. Well, when you inherit something, you didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. You were just in the family. And somebody wrote you in the will. Otherwise, you didn't get anything, right? So... By one side, he's asking, what must I do? And by the other side, he's kind of conceding the fact that it's inherited. Regardless, he says, I don't know the answer. You tell me, good teacher. What must I do 
to inherit eternal life. Well, Jesus said, well, what, what do you know about, about this? You know the rules, right? And I'm sure the man looked Jewish. You know, if it talks like a Jew and walks like a Jew, it's probably a Jew. He has probably looked Jewish and had the whole appearance of a Jew, and he probably was an observant Jew from what we read in the Scripture. And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments, right? You know these rules, he said, and he gives them the list of the, the, the commandments that have to do with our relationship to one another as people. He says, well, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and your mother. And you know how you get when somebody's giving an answer and, and, and you've done those things already and you're kind of like starting to smile just a little bit bigger at every answer? I can imagine this man just going, did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? And he goes, teacher, I've done all of these since my youth. I've been doing all of those. I am good. I've done them all. I can check them off the list. I've done these things. And you know that we like lists. I've always said this. We love to check them off the list. Did it, did it, did it. It's easy to do that, right? And Jesus heard the man say this, and he, he loved him. And sometimes I think we skip over that part. He loved him. Jesus loved the man for his heart for God. He loved him for his willingness to try to live his life by God's rules. He loved him for being willing to admit that he didn't know how to inherit eternal life. And he was seeking the answer. He loved him. At that moment, Jesus loved the man for his sincerity before God. And then he said, you only lack one thing. And I'm sure the man immediately thought, I've done all these others. Surely one more. I can handle this. Give it to me. I want to check it off the list. I want to say that I did it. I want to finish. I want to inherit eternal life. Right now, tell me what it is. And Jesus said to him, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. And then come and follow me. The invitation wasn't to take his money and burn it. It wasn't to take his money and destroy it. It was to use his money, to use his possessions, to be a blessing to those who didn't have. That was the invitation to the man. And then the second part of the invitation was to come and follow Jesus. And Jesus promised in between those two, if you do this, you will have treasure in heaven. Heavenly treasure gives us all kinds of fits. You know why? Because you don't get a statement at the end of the month telling you your heavenly treasure has grown this month by 3%. 
You can't count your heavenly treasure. You can't show it to somebody else and go, na, 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 my heavenly treasure is bigger than yours. Heavenly treasure does not follow the rules of man. It is not invested and reinvested. It is steady throughout your life. It is the promise of life eternal with God. And you can't add to that. It's already the most. It's already the highest. You can't improve on it. But you also can't decrease it. It is a heavenly treasure. And when the man heard this, I'm sure that he just couldn't wrap his head around this. How, how much is eternal life really worth? Can you put a price on it? Can you put a value on it? And when I think about that, I think about the fact that everything in this life is fleeting and will end. And eternal life is forever. And it should be a duh. Clearly, eternal life and heavenly treasures are greater than anything we could accumulate here in this life. But the scripture tells us that when the man heard these words, his first reaction was shock. Shock. How could you ask this of me? Shock. When I've done all of these other things, how can you ask this of me? And the shock was followed by grief. Grief at having to walk away from Jesus. Grief at feeling like it was impossible for him to do what Jesus was asking we have to wonder if he considered it impossible or just impractical. If he just thought it was absurd and made no sense to him. What was it that made him decide that when he compared eternal life to all his earthly possessions, his earthly possessions were more important? We'll never know the answer to that because you'd have to get into his brain and his thinking, and his heart. But clearly, he just couldn't do it. He couldn't bring himself to it. And the grief that he felt, the sadness that he felt, made him do completely the opposite of what Jesus invited him to do, which was to follow him. He walked away instead of following Jesus. And as this happened, I know Jesus was looking at his disciples, and they're all looking like, what happened here? That guy looked like he had everything figured out. He looked like he was a devout Jew. He looked like he had done everything correctly. He looked like he had followed the law. He looked like he was a, a religious person. What happened here? And I'm sure that they were looking at Jesus for answers because they, they were dumbfounded. They didn't understand what was going on. And Jesus looked around and said, how hard it will be for those who have wealth 
to enter the kingdom of God. And you've heard the phrase of clear as mud. When they heard this, they were like, what? It's hard for the people that have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. We have to understand how the world views wealth. The world views wealth and success as a sign of favor. The world looks at wealth as a sign that you must be doing something right. The world looks at wealth as you must be on the up and up. And when the people in Jesus' time saw somebody that had a lot of wealth, they thought God must have blessed them. They must be, they must be right with the Lord. And they began to equate the two things. And let me tell you something. Wealth and God don't necessarily go together. As I was explaining to the children, sometimes God blesses us. And amen when he does. But sometimes we are put through trials. And we go through wanting so that we can trust God. And so that we can learn not to trust on ourselves. And on our own strength. And on our own finances. Because if you have not gone through that, then you don't understand that. To trust God fully, sometimes we have to know what it is not to have. And to say, Lord, you provide. But when Jesus told them this, and they looked at this man who looked like he had everything to make it into heaven, into eternal life, they began to look at themselves and go, if he's not making it in, we are in trouble. We are fishermen. There's a tax collector among us. We are common folk. We don't need, we, we were sinners. There were sailors. You know sailors cuss, right? I mean, they, they were like, we, we're not going to make it. If he can't make it, we, we have no chance. And Jesus noticed their face and the hope leaving their faces as they're thinking about this and it's starting to work on them. And he says, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then they said, yeah, we're done. We're finished. There's no hope. And you know, we've tried to analyze that illustration of the camel going through a needle, and I'm sure you've heard all the explanations about that. One of them is about a gate that you have to take the camel through, and you've got to get off it to fit through. Other people have said it's literally an eye of a needle and the impossibility of a camel going through there. The point is it's, it's completely difficult. It's not easy. It's not a, something simple. And Jesus was trying to explain to them, it is hard to make it into the kingdom of God because we try to earn it. We try to deserve it. We try to make it about what we do instead of acknowledging that only God can save us and that it's only through grace and through faith in Jesus that we make it in. Well, I'm sure that Jesus noticed that they had just finally, their faces were just down on the ground, that they were just looking at him like lost puppies, going, help us here. 
give us something. And Jesus said to them, you know, for mortals, it's impossible. But for God, all things are possible. All things are possible. God can do this. God can save you. God can bring you into eternal life. God can restore you. God can do what you can't do for yourself. If you could do it, you wouldn't need God. And you can't earn it. You can't work hard enough to deserve it. After all our work yesterday, we didn't add anything to our heavenly treasure. It's still the same. Because it's not about what we do for God. It's about what God has already done for us. And then everything we do is just thanksgiving for all that he's already done. Well, Peter began to say to Jesus, look, we've left everything. We followed you. That guy left, but we didn't leave. You know, we left mother and father and work and everything. We dropped everything. We came with you. And Jesus said, this is okay, Peter. You're going to get that a hundredfold back. Brothers and mothers and sisters and everything, but it's going to come with a price. There's going to be persecution because you're following you're following me. There's going to be heartache along the way because you're following me. There's going to be opposition because you're following me. He says, but don't, don't worry about it because there's also for you eternal life. And let me tell you, that makes all of these troubles of this world worthwhile. All of the difficulties that we have to face are nothing compared to the glory that has been prepared for us in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It has always struck me that the Word of God talks about eternal life as an inheritance. Because it means that in order for us to get it, we have to be part of the family and somebody has to die. Think about it. When do you get an inheritance? When the person dies, they leave the inheritance to their heirs. And you have to be in the will or you don't get it. And so in this illustration, Jesus was letting his disciples know that the price for their sins would be paid because they would be adopted into the family through him. And then he would lay down his life. So that they could be heirs of eternal life. Jesus made all of this possible. He made the impossible possible through his sacrifice on the cross. He made us heirs of eternal life, adopted us into God's family, and then said, come and follow me. And by the way, if there's anything that you love more than I, let it go before you come. I think that's the hardest part for us. 
recognizing that there are times that we let other things become the greatest love of our lives. And sometimes they are very good things like family. They're very good things like our home. They're very good things like our job. But if we love them more than Jesus, he tells us, if you want to inherit eternal life, let it go and come follow me. Because he has to be number one in our lives. I hope that when we get the invitation to follow Jesus, we don't do like the man did and grieve our own loss as we walk away. But that we recognize that there is nothing worth more than eternal life with Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for the invitation that you give us, O oh Lord, to come to you, O oh Lord, to recognize that we need you in order to have eternal life. Help us to acknowledge, O oh Lord, that there is nothing we can do to earn it, to deserve it, to be worthy of it, but that it is only through your love and through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can come to you. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that you will continue to help us to follow you in whatever ways you lead us, and that we will continue to turn over our lives and anything that we have to you, knowing that you are the most important thing. Thank you, Jesus, for this invitation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.